What's up, E2 the Podcast family? We are back, E Squared the Podcast. We are back with a new episode. And man, it feels like these days that these episodes are like a month apart. Um, and I apologize for that, but um, I've just been moving around, doing a lot of stuff lately, doing a lot of organizing. So my apologies for not being as vigilant on these episodes as, you know, uh, we were like doing the first season, but I just want to take the time out to thank all you guys. Um, I see, you know, some of you guys checking out, still checking out episodes from last season, still checking out um, uh, episodes from earlier this season. And so that really means a lot that you guys are still, you know, so excited for the podcast that you're, y'all taking out old content. So that's really amazing. Thank you guys so much for that. But we're going to get right into it. Um, Today, um, we're going to be talking about the Democratic debates, the first night and the second night. And um, before we even get into it, um, and ju- before I digest them individually, I have to say, um, uh, I said digest them individually, I meant dissect them individually. Um, I have to say that the first night was way better than the second night. And um, a lot of people might disagree with me because uh, Kamala kind of had her moment with uh, Joe Biden. Um, but I really think the night one had the most substance, and I'll get into that later after I individually dissect both nights, but um, let's get right into it. Let's start off with the lineup for night one. The lineup for night one uh, was Cory Booker, Julian Castro, Bill de Blasio, John Delaney, Tosi Gabbard, Jay Inslee, Amy Klobuchar, Beto O'Rourke, Tim Ryan, and Elizabeth Warren. And... Like I said, this night was the best night. Um, this night, you know, I didn't really like both of the Democratic debates. Like I didn't like I wasn't in love with both of them. You know, <laughs> like it's not like they both were just full of like action-packed substance and you know real debate over policy. Um, but you know that's the fault of the shitty moderators that uh, MSNBC has. But we're gonna get into that later too. But um. Yeah, the first night, if I would have to say which one had the most substance, would definitely be the first night. Um, before I really say my winners of night one, I'm, I think I'm going to just go um, by candidate and, and, you know, grade each of their performance instead of doing, like, a timeline of what happened. But um, starting off, Cory Booker was a really good performer, uh, performer um, for the first night. Um, I don't think he did anything you know, really outstanding to make him move up in the polls. But at the same time, he didn't do anything too bad to make him hurt in the polls either. (laughs) Like, uh, people like, uh, Beto, but we're going to get into that. But, uh, yeah, my, uh, my only thing is, uh, Cory Booker is a Wall Street politician. Um, some of these guys are going to come up here and, you know, act like progressive candidates because they understand how to win the cultural left is uh, the nomination of the cultural left. You have to be a progressive. But, uh, you know, Cory Booker is not really, you know, a super progressive. Um, I do like the fact that um, he's very adamant about um, and he does support a conversation over slavery reparations. And, you know, some other policies I really dig, um, like he worked hand in hand with uh, Tim Scott and Kamala Harris to pass the um, uh, make lynching uh, a hate crime. Uh, so, like, uh, he, he he's done a lot of good stuff, but he's not the super progressive candidate as uh, people, you know, uh, call or, or not as people because people know he's a fraud. But <laughs> as he tries to, you know, 
uh, put out. But um, he do, he really did good. Um, really average. I mean, he was. Um, I, I really liked um, how he touched on the wealth disparity of, of the country. Um, it, it was re he really did a nice performance, but very forgettable at the end of the day, and it will not affect him anywhere in the polls. And for Cory Booker, that's really a good thing. Now this next guy, Julian Castro. Oh my God, Julian Castro! I feel like he outperformed like you know out of all out of everybody on the stage, he's the one who exceeded you know his expectations like nobody thought you know he was gonna go this hard um you know Julian Castro you know this guy was you know in charge of uh of uh HUD uh the federal HUD department under the Obama administration and so it w it was just man he really it, it, and to be honest like he wasn't just what and, and this is what I like about Julian you know normally Julian is very awkward um, when it comes to uh, forms, um, he doesn't stand out because he's an average height. Um, and, you know, he's just a normal looking dude. And like I said, he's normally very awkward in these exchanges. But last night he was just hitting one liners like the one li not last night, but in, in night one of the Democratic debates, he was hitting some good one liners like um, um, I, I not only stand for reproductive justice, I stand for reproductive freedom. And then, you know, when uh, he uh, said, you know, that uh, he included uh, transgender women's rights with, you know, uh, abortion and free choice rights. And so that was amazing. And then, you know, he turned around and schooled Beto on immigration policy. Like Beto was, you know, basically explaining his form of immigration policy. And, you know, Julian Castro came up and said, yeah, hey, man, you haven't done your homework. You don't understand uh, why f uh, children are separated at the border. You don't understand, you know, why these laws are implemented and what and what title codes in our law in our laws make this, you know, legal for us to do this, for us to separate these families. So yeah, Julian Castro was really on his shit and I really like how he went for, you know, Beto work. A lot of people was like, Man, he shouldn't have uh interrupted Beto and went after him. I'm like, why not? I mean, you know, Julian Castro, uh, a brief history for you guys, Julian Castro he 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 was planning he has been planning to run for president since you know Beto was in his Senate run and so while Beto was doing his Senate run Julian was like yeah I'm running for president and so you know of course you know after Beto lost uh he kind of like garnished a lot of tension from the Senate race and so that encouraged Beto to run but uh you know it's the fight for Texas man you know we got to fight. They have to fight for the Texas Democrats. And so, like, because, you know, they're both not polling. Uh, Beto is polling better than Julian, but not by that much, um, according, really according to, you know, the poll you're looking at. But, man, it's the battle for Texas. And so, basically, you know, they got to see who's going to win the Texas Democrats. Will it be Julian Castro or Beto O'Rourke? Um, Julian really put on a good performance, man. Like I said, like, I don't... Even though he put on a good performance, uh, I feel like it was uh, good enough just for him to actually have notoriety now. Like, it wasn't good enough for him to move up in the polls. Like, I initially thought I initially thought he was going to move, you know, up in the polls. But um, after looking at the debates, I kind of understand why it was just more a surge in notoriety and a more, more of a surge in popularity than it was just overall in the polls is because, you know, he had great one-liners. One like, he didn't have, like, moments to where, like, he was just schooling, except for Beto, 
<laughs> his alphabet, though. But he really wasn't schooling anybody else on, like, public policy. So, I mean, hopefully if he had another chance to... I I think if he had another chance to, like, debate another Democrat on stage, he could have got it up in the polls. But, you know, his, you know, thing was just getting notoriety. And that's what he got from this. He got positive notoriety from this. And so hopefully we see him in the third debates because I really want to see him, you know, in the final... Um, death match <laughs> of Democrats. Uh, but uh, next dude, uh, Bill de Blasio. This is the mayor from New York. Oh, man. Uh, bruh. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start off by saying Bill de Blasio is, fa- is definitely a fake progressive. Definitely a fake progressive. Um, I was saying that, you know, Cory Booker isn't actually progressive, but um, at least he let his record be known. Like, you know, he's like, he's a, Cory Booker is a Wall Street politician and like, he doesn't hide it. You know, if you look at his FEC report, you see that he doesn't hide it at all. Uh, But Bill de Blasio, he's an interesting character because he does the fake progressive so well. Like, you know, um, I think he got a little bump in notoriety in the polls, too, because he did perform really well. You know, I say he's a fake progressive, but he performed really well. And um, basically, I'm just saying he really performed as a, well as a fake progressive. I mean, even how and, and he was such a good fake progressive that he was sounding like a better progressive than people like Tulsi Gabbard <laughs> and Elizabeth Warren. And, and so, like, even though we know that's not the, the, the case at all, he was sounding like more of a progressive than them. Like, there was uh, one time when he was attacking the economic indicators of the United States. And, like, I feel like, at, personally, that's what more Democrats need to do. And, you know, he was like, stuff like GDP, you know, that, that doesn't judge the quality of life, or yada, yada, yada. And, and I feel like that was some good shit you were saying, Bill. Like, that was some solid shit, man. And so, uh, but of course, he's a fake progressive. Um, when, you know, Amazon wanted to uh, come in and uh, basically uh, fuck over New York. Um, and then, you know, with the uh, by 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 placing the headquarters in uh, Amazon, it was gonna displace people, uh, a, a lot of people out of their houses, and you know, um, there were grassroots organizations that ride with AOC, and and so, and since they ride with AOC, basically Amazon uh, didn't end up uh, having their H HQ in New York. They ended up moving it to another place. But Bill De Blasio was like, oh no, that creates jobs. That creates jobs. Like, bro, what the fuck? Okay, what is jobs, which nobody really needs, right? Like, in a con, in, in virtually not a, in a virtual economy where it's where the where, where the job unemployment is at three percent. You know that New York wasn't really asking for new jobs, but you know, so we're gonna put these jobs, these superficial jobs, over the lives of human beings. Come on, Bill, you fuck it, you're fucking. You're, you're a fucking clown. And, and, and I can see right through you. And, 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 and I can't remember what the other thing was. He, but he did something else that pissed me off. And uh, hopefully, when it, hopefully, if I can remember it, I'm going to post it along with this. But, yeah, Bill de Blasio is definitely a fake progressive. And, um, <laughs> but he was wearing that shit great. Like, man, like, like, like I said, he was taking the economic indicators, uh, how I know he was a fake progressive because his at at the end of the night he ended out his uh when they were uh when the the question was asked what is the mo- what's the uh, most geo- geopolitical threat of the United States 
um, he said that it was Russiagate. And real leftists, real hardcore leftists, real hardcore progress progressives do not fantasize or romanticize over this bullshit called Russiagate. Uh, so that's how I kind of know, like, all right, dude's a fake progressive. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, he he really did perform well despite being a fake progressive. Um, as expected with John, uh, Bill, de Blas Bill de Blasio, really great performer. Um, but next person, John Delaney. Uh, John Delaney, I'm not even going to spend two minutes on this guy. Yeah, so this guy's just basically a corporate centrist. A uh, third-rate Democrat and who's trying to, you know, advocate, you know, his views. Uh, but he has the same platform uh, of Obama in, you know, 2012. It's just he's slightly more socially liberal. Look, people like him don't understand the pulse of the Democratic Party. People like him try to do the third, that third-way Democrat bullshit to where, like, we all meet in the middle. Him and Tim Ryan, actually. Uh, where we all meet in the middle to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And when that's absolute bullshit, because first of all, meeting in the middle is more of a symbiotic trope than anything else. Uh, and very daltish when you think about it, because when you talk about the political spectrum, there's a lot of central right Democrats and there's a lot, there's a lot of central right independents. But you tell me where, where in the hell is is a central left Republican. Never. You'll never see a central left Republican because Republicans are absolutely, absolutely regressive and we shouldn't even focus on trying to get people from that side because they're absolutely regressives. They do not believe in progress. So, you know, just to even attempt to go to that side is like, it's it's basically a form of compromise because the left every time we try to try this centrist third way bullshit where we met in the middle we always give up more than the republicans just solid at, at the end of the day so uh john delaney really doesn't understand the pulse of the democratic party and he really doesn't understand that the overton message message of where the democratic party is concerning medicare for all all is totally dual system and single pair like what you're trying to, how you're trying to switch the Overton message back to the middle of like, oh, well, maybe if we could take, no, absolute bullshit. So, um, yeah, John Delaney, no go. Um, he's not making it to the third debates at all. Not at all. Um, and if he does, it's just because of the corporate backing he might have, but he's not making it at all. But Tulsi Gabbard, my girl, my president. Uh, if you guys don't know, at this point, I'm really rooting for Tulsi Gabbard to be president because uh, she's the only um, uh, anti-imperialist uh, out of all the Democrats, and uh, she has the best non-interventionalist uh, non uh, platform. Um, and, you know, she's really just proposing some great shit, like the No Presidential Wars Act, to where, like, the president doesn't have the power to, you know, thrust, our, thrust, you know, the United States in the war for up to 90 or 30 days, I believe. And so, like, I, I, I really love her and I really love what she's about. Of course, she had some history and like, you know, like around like 2005 when she was councilwoman for um, a city in Hawaii, like uh, she had this thing to where like she had some anti-gay comments. But of course, there, that was only in 05. She's grown from then. And um, she's actually in, uh, went on to introduce legislation that would help uh, sexual assault victims uh, in uh, the military. 
so I mean, this is a great woman all through and through, and how she performed in the debate show. Uh, Tulsi was one of the women with the fewest, uh, uh, fewest amount of time. Uh, she has six point six minutes of time during a Democratic debate, um, but she really made it shine. Uh, she was asked a question about the wealth gap and the wealth disparity of this country, uh, and she just decided to use that moment to introduce herself and 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 she got a lot of flack for it and again i do flack her for it because she should have answered the question you you're not just the non-interventionist candidate tosi like you're gonna be you know the president of america so you have to answer every single question that is given to you but i i kind of understand why she just went it, it was two reasons okay either one she was just hella nervous and didn't hear shit the moderator said at like at all right <laughs> and so like she was just nervous and she just you know started you know uh saying what naturally came to her mind art right, too which i'm kind of leaning towards uh is she wasn't nervous at all but and she understood the question that was asked her but she knew the amount of time uh she was gonna get fucked over during the night like she knew she was gonna get she wasn't gonna get a lot of time compared to people like you know elizabeth warren or bethel award or uh you know even people like Tim Ryan, just establishment. She knew she wasn't going to get, you know, uh, a as much time as them. So I feel like she used that time to kind of introduce herself. And so people can understand, know, have an inkling of what she's about. But um, overall, she really did good. I feel like they hold her. Um, all the foreign policy questions were really asked to, like, people who are promoting domestic uh, policy platforms like Elizabeth Warren, like Elizabeth Warren is not, you know, promoting, is not running a campaign off of, uh, you know, great foreign diplomacy. <laughs> no, not at all. Like she's running a campaign off of great domestic policy. Um, you know, same thing with people like, Same people, I can't even say anybody from this debate, but same thing for people like Christine Gillibrand or Kamala Harris or, you know, um, so on and so on, or Pete Buttigieg is like, you know, they, they, they're advocating for great domestic policy. You know, they're not running a campaign over on great domestic, on great foreign policy. So they should have asked the foreign policy questions to, more to Tulsi Gabbard because that would have gave her more room to sign. But she had room to sign against uh, Tim Ryan. Uh, when uh, Tim Ryan was basically defending the reason why we had the war in Iraq and Iran. And uh, for some reason, as Democrats, I feel like if we're talking about anything or an Overton message or well, how left Democrats should lean versus how right, I feel like Tulsi is going to be the, even if she doesn't win, I feel like the nominee, the nominee needs to take her platform and run with it because the democratic party needs to start being the the party of non-intervention like we need to start being the party of non-intervention you know uh people always say but oh no we had to stay in syria like well, what we 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 went to syria strictly on proxy war strictly because russia was fuel funding aside and so we needed something to fund the syrian rebels so that is strict proxy war it's like, you know, two big countries not even being affected by this shit. Like, Russia and the United States not even being affected by this shit. But Syria fucking as a country is dying. Like, what the fuck? So it's like, no, we need to be the party of non-intervention. Like, like just flat out. 
Um, and I feel like the the debate that are the little, you know, back and forth Tulsi Gabbard and Tim Ryan had was evident. You know, Tim Ryan was like, you know, the last time we, you know, uh, didn't worry about uh, foreign affairs and uh, terrorists like the Taliban, uh, last time we uh, forgot about worrying, uh, our, our, yeah, we just didn't worry about the Taliban, they, they flew planes in our buildings. And, you know, Tosi Gabba corrected him and was like, no, they didn't, that wasn't, you know, the Taliban, that was Al-Qaeda. And so, yeah, Tim Ryan doesn't know what the fuck what he's talking about. But, yeah, Tosi Gabba did amazing. Jay Inslee, who is this guy? Um, uh, the best thing he said last night, uh, no, I'm playing, he, he was a government, he was the governor of Washington. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, he didn't do good at all in the debates. Uh, people kind of clapped for him because at the end of the night when they when was asked, what do you think is the biggest geopolitical threat of the United States? He was like Donald Trump and everybody, oh, is it? Like, no, no, sir, don't, don't do that. And I hate that. I hate people, I hate politicians like that because I kind of get afraid to, and, and, and when a politician says something like that, when they say, uh, well, all of our problems in the United States is because of Donald Trump, that kind of makes, that, that, that kind of makes me feel a certain, certain type of way because, yes, Donald Trump is doing a lot of shit that's going to fuck up the country's deficit, and, 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 and he does have xenophobic law and practices, and he does practice hate, and, he, and most of his constituency practices hate as well. But, no, to say that, our, you know, problems in America is just strictly because of Donald Trump. No, we had problems before Donald Trump. You know, our, eco our economic indicators, like Bill de Blasio said, were, sh were, were shit before Trump. So, you know, don't make it just a Trump thing. And I, feel, and I fear, you know, people like that because it's like, okay, are you making it a Trump thing because you don't really want to change the current status quo and you just want us to focus on Trump? But whatever. Um, Amy Klobuchar, uh, she was, she was born, yeah, um, okay, everybody talks about how she's just like this legislative queen, uh, I guess, uh, she's, um, I don't want to say she's a centrist, but she's definitely a moderate dem, um, boring, yeah, that didn't really put much up, uh, yeah, and, uh, so next candidate, Beto O'Rourke, yeah, he was pretty boring too. Like, uh, Beto is fu full of fucking gas, bro. And the thing is, you guys know, I worked on the Beto campaign. So yeah, so I, I I really like him as a person, and he was really inspiring, you know, for the Texas Senate race. But you know, in in this league, you you you're just not ready, Beto. You're you're not ready, Beto. Um. Hopefully you do a little better. Um, I really like, you know, his ideals. And that, that's what really clinged me on to Beto, because I really like his ideals. He has a great set of ideals, but he, you know, he doesn't think policy or platform is just, you know, ideals that he has. And, you know, he was like, we, we, we could work together to fix this. Like, okay, lay out a platform, homie. But uh, next, Tim Ryan, the centrist, like I was, I already critiqued him during the little, uh, when I was talking about Tulsi, but Tim Ryan, the centrist, yeah, this guy right here, this, uh, if unbeknownst to many people, this is the same guy who ran against Nancy Pelosi for, um, 
speaker of the house. And, you know, um, now this actually kind of ruined his dreams of doing that because uh, they actually had like a little bio a biopic or a little quick uh, snapshot of biopics uh, to talk about his uh, tenure in the Senate, and man, is it Republican as fuck. This guy voted for anti-abortion uh, uh, legislation. You know, this guy voted for anti-LGBT legislation. Like, But he's from Ohio, so, I mean, he does have a very moderate district that he has to uh, appeal to, and, you know, since, like, the past, he has grown a bit more uh, socially uh, liberal or progressive, so kudos to him on that but yeah this guy's definitely not <laughs> candidates here but um elizabeth warren um elizabeth warren probably did the best throughout the whole night elizabeth warren was uh was was a very fiery candidate um to say the least um she was okay i wouldn't say fiery candidate but she was I wish she should have been more fiery. She should have been more aggressive. Um, the the que because I feel like Elizabeth Warren was basically destined to win this Democratic debate. You know, even the moderator's questions were basically they they were talking about okay, Elizabeth Warren, you have this universal child care. What do y'all think about that? Univer Elizabeth Warren, you believe in Medicare for all. What y'all think about that? And, and let me just say that even though she was the only one who raised her hand for Medicare for all, um, it, it was because the, the, the question was framed dumb as shit. And how they framed it, they framed it like they were just talking about a single pair system. Uh, or just, you know, a way, like, no, almost everybody on that stage believed in Medicare, Medicare for all. Elizabeth Warren believes in Medicare for all. Beto O'Rourke believes in Medicare for all. Um, A.B. Klobuchar believes in Medicare for all. Tosi Gabber believes in Medicare for all. Bill de Blasio believes in Medicare for all. Julian Castro believes in Medicare for all. And I don't know about Cory Booker, but most of these people believe in Medicare for all. It's just most of these people believe in a dual system over a single payer system, including Elizabeth Warren. And so I just feel like Elizabeth Warren ha has policy, better domestic policy than all these cats on how to actually reform and get there um, to uh, Medicare for all. But she also believes in a dual system. So it's like um, I feel like uh, a lot of theory and a lot of. Uh, theory, since theory, every time theory plays into like the 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 socio political uh, climate, it gets misnomered. You know, it, it gets misdefined, uh, it gets misdefined and uh, misnomered into where like you know the real definition is lost. You know, uh, there's a difference between universal health care and Medicare for all. You know what I'm saying? And there's a difference between you know, a Medicare for all dual system and a Medicare for all single pair. But, you know, it's still Medicare for all. So, but, like, yeah, Elizabeth Warren did great. Um, but it was kind of, like, handed to her because that MSNBC is totally the Democratic establishment. And it's not, you know, this left-leaning uh, safe haven that people like to say it is, but... Um, just wrapping up the whole first night, I would definitely have to say the best performer of the night was definitely Julian Castro. Cause I said, like I said, I did not expect for him to even, uh, be noticeable at all. 
And so the one liners that he did have were absolutely amazing. So he was definitely the best performer because he he just basically had such a long um long way to go and so like the fact that he was noticed at all throughout this whole debate yeah definitely best performer uh but honorable mentions would have to go to Tulsi Gabbard and Bill de Blasio just because one Bill de Blasio actually did perform good uh in the, on the democratic stage like I said even though he's a fake progressive he did perform really well really 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 well uh but um and Tulsi Gabbard I would definitely say her as honorable mentions is because even though she had like that good moment where she was shitting on Tim Ryan, uh, she was just very slow at, in the beginning of the debate. And I feel like she should have, you know, answered the wealth gap uh, uh, question and not just kind of introduce herself. That was kind of weird and awkward, Tosi. Like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> but um, the overall winner for the Democratic debate would definitely have to be Warren, Elizabeth Warren. Um, Elizabeth Warren was just solid through and through. Um, she has the best policy, domestic policy, well, the most practical, thought-out domestic policy throughout all of these candidates. Um, and she's just the most known. And so, like, she was really given this debate. She was really given this debate. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think Warren went up, like, three points after this. Um, congratulations to her. And um, I really hope... Uh, out of these, out of all these people, I really hope to see at least Warren, Tulsi, and Julian uh, at the end. Uh, but yeah, that's really what all I thought about the uh, first night of the the debacle Democrat debate. So the second night of the Democratic debate, boy, was this a snooze fest until Kamala started singing, "Lift Every Voice and Sing." <laughs> and she started celebrating Juneteenth all over Joe Biden. Uh man, but besides that, this was very uh, this was a snooze fest from uh Marianne Williamson being a wacko to Andrew Yang not saying absolutely anything to Christine Gillibrand yelling a lot and talking over people to Joe Biden not knowing where he is at all and to Michael Michael Ben Benton Bennett, yeah, Michael Bennett, yeah, Michael Bennett, I, that guy sounds like, <laughs> like, he's surfs up, dude, like, <laughs> this guy sounds like the most raddest, uh, like, I don't know, this guy sounds like a, a, a fake version of Michael McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey, and so, like, yeah, it was definitely bad, and from Pete Buttigieg doing the fake uh, JFK shit, this was just a boring night. A very boring night. And I, I'll tell you why. Because the reason why it was a boring night. Because uh, Bernie Sanders was slow, man. Bernie Sanders was absolutely slow the whole night. You know, what I wanted to see was Andrew Yang go after people like Joe Biden. I wanted, I wanted to see Andrew Yang convince people of his populist platform and why he stands out among all Democrat demagogues. But I didn't get that, and nobody did. But um, I'm going to basically go do, do what I uh, did the, uh, for the uh, first night. Um, but, yeah, basically, uh, the, the lineup was Michael Bennett, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Kill Christine Gillibrand, 
Kamala Harris, John Hickenlooper, sounds like a serial, Bernie Sanders, Eric Swalwell, Marianne Williamson, and Andrew Yang. Uh, Michael Bennett. Okay, starting off with him. Uh, th- I, I, this this guy, it's, um, I actually had to look up more about him today. Um, this guy is definitely a blue dog Democrat. Um, somebody who's not going to get far in the election at all, but he is going to support anybody who wins. Like, this guy, (laughs) like, this guy is a blue dog Democrat. He votes, like, 97% Democrat. Like, this guy is definitely a blue dog Democrat, but he is, in a way, a moderate Democrat. Uh, So, yeah, he doesn't advocate for things like Medicare for All, so... Snooze fest. I'm sorry. I'm not spending any time or on anybody who doesn't advocate for Medicare for all because you're not a progressive candidate if you don't. If you if you don't. So uh, yeah, Michael Bennett, sucky. Joe Biden was trash. Like bro, like the whole night, Joe Biden looked like he did not know where he was. He looked so confused. Like he looked le- legit confused. And then like. Throughout the moment, throughout the uh, debate, he would have times to where he'd explain himself, but he'll be like, "Oh, that that's my time, my bad." Like, like no, like if you exp- if you're mid sentence saying something and you're not done explaining your thought, even the moderators will let you talk. And definitely since you're Joe fucking Biden, you you were leading in the polls, so it's like. You know, like, like they're going to let you talk. I just feel like he stopped talking because he kind of knew he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. But, yeah, like, you know, it was, it was, with Joe Biden, it was just a, basically a bunch of Obama, Obama praising. Uh, we need to expand on what, uh, on what we did with ACA. Like, no, we shouldn't expand on what we did with the Affordable Care Act. Affordable Care Act was a, a shitty legislation. But, we, but now we know why. It wasn't a shitty legislation because of its politics, you know, no, you know, it was made by the Heritage Foundation, people like Newt Greenwich and Mitt Romney, you know, it wasn't because of that, it's because of the fact that we cannot hold in these insurances accountable, you know, we cannot put them in a position to where like, oh no, let's force you to do 80% care, Folk, your funds have to be focused on 80% care. No, we can't do that shit, because every time we do that shit, as we've seen with the ACA, insurances will continue to drop out, and they'll consider, continue to rise in prices, because they have, to make their mon- they have to make their money, they have to make their monopoly, and that's all what insurance programs care about. So it's like, no, the ACA, Joe Biden, is a terrible idea, and we need to stop going for that. The reason why we appreciated the ACA so much because it was a step forward to the idea of universal health care, where everybody was gonna, has a chance to get covered. So it was a great idea in practice, but in theory. It was a great idea in theory, but we've seen in actual practice that it failed because not only in- inadequacy of the legislation, but the inadequacy of insurance policies in a capitalist society. So, yeah, these these insurances are not going to ever just team up with us and say, okay, yeah, actually, let's actually stop, you know, charging so much for fucking care and actually focus most of our funds on care and, you know, stop charging people these ridiculous prices for insulin. They're never going to do that. That's why Medicare for All is integral. But anyway, Pete Buttigieg, Pete, this guy... Man, he's going to stay in this race for a while. Surprisingly, because if you're going off of just track record, 
uh, I, I wouldn't even say track record, but, you know, notoriety and, you know, uh, the, the caricature of a certain political demagogue, if you look at their caricatures, Pete should have ended up like Beto did on the first night. Like, somebody should have called Pete out on something and debated him into the fucking ground. Because when you look at it, Pete Buttigieg and Beto O'Rourke are the exact same person. Um, they, it's just Pete does it better. Pete does it way better. Pete wears it way better. You know, this, and, and what I mean by caricature, caricature of a certain political demagogue is basically they both have this JFK-esque to them without, without actual having substance. Like these guys, they say vague things uh, that, that preaches unity and, and, and vague statements that nobody can really disagree with. But it, it, they never really touch home on an issue. Like, Pete could say a, a million words and they'll sound great, you know, like, strung together. But at the end of the day, bro, he, was, he, he lacks substance and he doesn't say anything. Like, I don't even know Pete's policies. Like, from, from the debate, I do know that he wants a dual system Medicare for all, but that's the, that's the first thing. That's why I was like, that's why I get so, so excited for these debates, because I'm like, people like Pete, like, okay, here's your chance to explain, and all I really got was that he's for a dual system Medicare for all. That's, that's great. Um, but, you know, he, he really did good. He really did perform really good. Uh, to say all that, I was kind of getting on him. He really did perform good. He wears that fake politician shit so well, um, vague rhetoric, uh, but again, he was very forgetful because of that, <laughs> well, but he, he, he just did good for the night, uh, but, um, Christine Gillibrand, uh, bro, she was yelling so much, and I was just like, hey, bro, y'all gonna turn Andrew Yang, and I feel like, I'm gonna get back to this, uh, because Andrew Yang, uh, basically was saying, uh, his mic was cut off. Um, throughout a certain period of the night. And I really feel like that has to be Christine Gillibrand's fault. Because, you know, I feel like when it got to a certain point that Gillibrand was interrupting so much that MSNBC was like, okay, bro, we got to turn her mic off. Or just at least not turn their mics off, but like when a certain person is speaking, turn this person's mic off because you know they're going to say anything. And then... After that, give them a chance to speak. But, yeah, Christine Gillibrand was interrupting a lot. Uh, and then she wasn't interrupting in a cool Kamala fashion, how, like, she just, like, her poise just demanded attention. No, it was kind of, like, obnoxious. Like, no, no, I have a solution for this. Uh, I have a solution for this. Um, again, her, her strategy was to paint herself as a super progressive. Um, everybody knows Gillibrand has been a centrist her whole career. Um, she was endorsed by the Clinton Foundation. Uh, numerous of times, everybody knows she's a centrist third way Democrat, but she does have really good policies uh, when it comes to um, just uh, reproductive choice in our society. And uh, she does fight, uh, you know, continuously fights for the LGBTQ community. So I, I do, I really love her for that, but she's not like, you know, this Bernie Sanders that she tried to paint herself as. But um, yeah, she was just, she was just very obnoxious. Like, Bro, shut up, like, at a poll. Uh, but, uh, and, and yes, people who ask me all the time, is Christine Gillibrand a Hillary Clinton 
Absolutely, she is. She is absolutely a Hillary Clinton 2.0. Elizabeth Warren is not a Hillary Clinton 2.0, but Christine Gillibrand is. And now, getting to... We're going to save her. But getting to our next candidate, John Hickenlooper. He does not believe in Medicare for All, so we will not talk about him. He is boring as fuck, and he will not win the Democratic primary. Uh, Bernie Sanders. Oh, this is my guy. Again, Bernie Sanders was slow, though. Like, even though, you know, y'all know Bernie's my guy, he was slow. And, you know, he he wasn't on fire like, you know, he normally is. And, you know, when it was asked, but he really did good on the question when they asked him, okay, how are you going to pay for, you know, I think it was uh, Medicare for all and, but specifically it was, how are you going to pay for the college forgiveness program? And so he laid it out great. He laid it out great. I like how he reframed some stuff to answer the question. So he he really did great. Really did great on that question, on that uh, answering that question. And he really did good schooling Joe Biden. You know, basically saying like, you know, because Eric Swalwell, and we can go ahead and talk about him. Eric Swalwell, he did the shittiest. Like he did. He tried to paint himself as this white new hope guy, but he did absolutely shitty. And um, but he but the greatest moment he had was stolen by Bernie because he was just like, uh, yeah, uh, I remember when I was a little kid going to this event and they had this politician, another senator saying that sometimes it's sometimes you well all the time you have to pass the torch to the next generation. And that man was Joe Biden. And so as as and so like he started getting claps because, you know, he was basically saying, OK, Joe, you told people at the event that I went to as a little kid that, you know, these old politicians can't be running forever and forever and ever. Like they have to pass the torch So pass the torch to me. That's what he wanted to set up as. And then Bernie just stole that and said, oh, well, you know, Joe Biden and I were from the same generation. But I was walking in the civil rights movement while, you know, he was fighting for uh, segregated busing. Yes, he was fighting for segregating busing. While I, Bernie Sanders, was getting, you know, hosed down protesting the rights of black, protesting for the rights of black people. You know, and, you know, even when it comes to like... uh, I, I really just explained how perfectly there because Bernie Sanders did not say all that. But basically, he was just <laughs> making the parallels to where, like, hey, these the wars that Joe wanted to get in, like, do, like, where he supported, I, I was against him. So, like, basically, Bernie was like, Eric, that argument of age you come from where it's talking about, oh, well, our candidate needs to be young, uh, young, you know, youthful. No, like, no, I, I've been on the right side of history my whole political career. And so Bernie just basically stole that from him. So he really did good. And I really liked uh, his closing argument. He really did good. Um, uh, Again, Eric Swalwell, moderate centrist, not listening to him. Marianne Williamson, though. Marianne Williamson, she's a wacko. She's definitely a wacko. And the reason why I say this is because... I initially thought, I, I heard her, um, I forgot, it was something on Facebook, but I forgot who, what show it was, but I heard her talking about slavery reparations, and she made a comp- she made a comp- comprehensive argument for it, a very, very, you know, thought-out argument for it. You know, it was, of course, more idealistic than practical, but, you know, you know slavery reparations is a grown conversation. 
So it's like, you know, if, if you guys want to, you know, kind of like get into why it's a grown conversation, just go back to uh, go back and listen to my episode uh, of uh, why black people still broke. Um, and that kind of like gives you kind of like an inkling of why slavery reparations is a very complex issue. And it's only for grown ups to talk about. But, yeah, she had a very comprehensive idea, ideological, idealistic kind of like you know, view, um, of slavery reparations, but, uh, yeah, she's a wacko, um, I, 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 I just seen her anti-vax comments, oh my god, and then, like, throughout the debate, she was like, no, we, uh, Trump won this, uh, we could talk about Medicare for all, and we could talk about college forgiveness, um, but these are superficial issues, important issues, like, wait, wait, what, you were like, these are superficial issues, but important issues, and uh, Trump just didn't win only on policy alone. He won spreading hate. And I'm going to beat the president, sir. I will meet you on the battlefield and defeat you with love. Like, what the fuck? Like, like, like man, how many shrooms did she do before she got on stage? Like, damn. Like, man. Like, it got to a point to where it was cringing hearing her talk. Same thing with Christine Gillibrand. It was cringing. But, um, yeah, uh, she got a spike in Google searches as well. But it, it was strict memory. Um, I don't think anybody kind of, like, gravitated towards her. But Andrew Yang, man, Andrew Yang disappointed me, man. Andrew Yang disappointed me. And he says that his mic was turned off. And again, I absolutely believe him. Uh, you know, I would say in objectivity that there's no proof of that so far. And uh, even though Marianne Williamson kind of challenged that, uh, like I said, there's no proof of that so far. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, but I do believe him because, like I, I, I always tell people, MSNBC is democratic establishment for some reason lefties think that you know msnbc like cnn is political establishment and you know fox is a political establishment but msnbc is the home and safe haven for lefties like no also political establishment so um I'm not surprised that they probably muted Andrew Yang's mic. But I, again, I think it has to do more with not them not them shutting out Andrew Yang, but kind of trying to uh, uh, moderate the, the actual debate uh, after people like Christine Gillibrand just kept yelling and being obnoxious. Because um, the, 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 the final person we're going to talk about and who I think was the winner of this debate, Kamala Harris, how she demanded her presence was just so effortlessly, effortlessly, effortless. I said effortlessly. Uh, what the fuck is effortlessly? I can't. I'm I'm, I'm this smart leftist, but I can't talk. But um, she did it so effortless. Uh, it it was just like, you know, and 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 to me, Kamala really started reminding me of Trump, and not Trump when it comes to policy or whatnot. Uh, populism or whatnot. No, I, I mean, she reminds me of Trump on just how she commanded attention th on that stage. Like, you know, of course, one of the biggest mo night uh, moments of the night was uh, when she was like, when, when everybody was talking over each other and she was like, okay, America wants to know, guys, stop. Okay, guys, stop. America wants to know how we're going to 
uh, America doesn't want to see a food fight. They want to know. Well, they want to see. Uh, they want to hear us talk about how we're going to put food on the table, some shit like that. And like it got like applause. Like that was, uh, of course, that was planned as shit. And I know, it, I know it was planned as shit. But she was, she just did it. She just did everything at the perfect moment. And like she really commanded attention. And one of the biggest moments, the hugest moments, uh, that will probably be remembered, uh, you know, for you know, in political history, is when. You know, she went all MLK and destroyed Joe Biden, man. Like, you know, because, of course, Joe Biden kind of uh, been getting flagged for his civility comment when he said that I had to work across the aisle with segregationists to get things done. And then people looked into it and saw that, you know, one of those things that he was working with segregationists to get done is, you know, basically uh, fight desegregating buses so yes he was fighting against the desegregation of buses like buses like the the department of education at that time they was like okay look people are not following uh the constitutional mandates now so now we have to implement them now we have to go down to the fucking south and force people to integrate schools even though now that's the constitution mandate constitutional mandate and then Joe Biden was like, well, you know, no, we shouldn't do that. We should just, you know, kind of let them just uh, let, let them choose whether or not they want to desegregate buses, leave that to the local institutions. Like, what the fuck? Like, and, and again, it's, and, and Kamala uh, it continued to destroy him because if Joe Biden's camp talked to him, and told them, and, 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 and taught him, and told him, and prepared him for that question. And particularly, they should have prepared him for Kamala to say it, you know, kind of like, because she was the only black person throughout the night. I'm just saying it, just because she was the black person throughout the night. So they, they should have prepared him for that. And they didn't. If, 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 if they just prepared Joe Biden to adequately apologize and say, okay, looking back, I wouldn't have done that shit. He could have smooth. He could have smoothed on by, like just totally not not uh, combated uh, Harris because at, in in a situation like that, you know, you can't combat people. You have to concede. But if he conceded in an adequately, you know, politician beating the bush way to where, like, yes, I did those things and I supported those people and you know I even praised those people. But I see that I was wrong now and blah 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 blah. He, he wouldn't have been as hurt and opposed as he is today. And so, because Kamala Harris completely destroyed him. Completely destroyed him. Talking about, you know, well, you know, this six-year-old six girl who uh, was the second class of segregated buses, buses, and that six-year-old girl was me. And so, like, you know, of course, people was like, oh, shit. And again, Kamala Harris got in MLK mode and lift every voice mode just to have the reputation of J. Edgar Hoover. I will say that, like, she was like she was literally running a, a race, and like her Republican uh, uh, opponent believed was her Republican opponent was libertarian leaning, so he believed in you know the pro uh, lifting the prohibition of marijuana, and she didn't. So like you know she's not. She wasn't a progressive. She's been on the centrist side. Uh, but I would say that while in Congress, she has, you know, uh, kept a very liberal uh, voting record 
Um, she was actually voted a part of the Hell No Politicals Hell No Caucus. Uh, she voted uh, so much against she she her and Christine Gillibrand voted against. Uh, their voting record is the most anti-Trump out of all these people on this stage. So, yeah, but uh, so. Yeah, she has a good and bad history. I really, I'm not really gonna grill her too hard, uh, cause I do like her. So I will let you guys kind of like come up with your own opinions on her. But yeah, overall, overall, out of both of the nights, night one was ready, uh, was definitely better because you had actually breakout performers and and and, and even with you know you know you know even excluding Julian Castro. I mean, Warren just the the Warren just did better than the top contenders in the second night. So it's like you know, Bernie Sanders was very slow until the end. Um, Kamala Harris was really the shiner. So the shiner, like I I hate my phrasing sometimes. Well, she was really the one who shined in the uh, night two debate. So if I would have to say, you know, for the the winners for this. Um, I would definitely say best best performer was Kamala Harris. Straight up, straight up, like just just on a performance level. Like again, she reminded me of Trump of how she demands attention in the room. Uh, she she really had that uh, best performer come out. It was definitely Kamala Harris. Um, honorable mentions, I would definitely have to say Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg, and really more Bernie Sanders. Um, he was, he's really the honorable mentions winner, but, uh, Pete, I'll put him as honorable mentions because even though he does that fake politician vague shit that I hate, he wears it so well. So when it comes to performance, just performance, not actual policy, not actual debating, not anything. When it comes to actual performance, he did a really good job. But, uh, Bernie, when it comes to policy and performance, he did, uh, uh, he was slow at, at the beginning, but he caught himself up he was like oh he, he caught back up and you know, towards like the end so uh honorable mentions for them too most definitely um the winner though of a night two debates is harris <laughs> like yes i know i said she was the best performer but she was also just the overall winner i mean you know um she even had a chance to talk about her middle class tax cut um in her closing statement so i mean she she's moved up eight points she has had the biggest incremental uh, gain since the debates. Like, um, I think Biden dropped 10 points. And then Harris went up uh, 8 points. And uh, Warren went up, like, 3 points. And I think Bernie went up, like, 2 to 3 points. So those are the only people who really had gains. So most likely I see this uh, can, this this is going to be down if down to, if if I would have to basically say who would it be you know down to the wire who are going to be the last people in the death match um I would definitely have to say um Bernie Sanders of course Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris those three are really going to are really are the top contenders now um Biden of course is going to stay in the race um because of his ego um, but, uh, I expect him to drop out real soon and, and not make, I don't expect him to make it far at all. So, um, yeah, um, that's what I basically thought of the both, both of the democratic debates. Um, I really want to know how, what you guys thought about it. What was your favorite moments? 
uh, who are you looking at towards now? Like, did you have somebody um, you were right? Like, I know a lot of people were rooting for Biden, but after the Democratic debates, now they're like, you know, Team Sanders or Team Harris or uh, Team Warren. So uh, did that happen to you guys? Did, you know, you guys have an initial pick, but after the debates, you seen how shitty your candidate was and was like, oh, fuck no, I can't ride with them? Or was it, you know, something different where you just, where you, you know, kind of like, uh, confused about the whole democratic debate process and you know where we were and how many candidates were uh, a part of the democratic primary and this kind of just educated you on the candidates uh, I really want to know what you guys think um, this podcast is built off the backs of y'all feedback so um, just tell me your, your questions suggestions views on anything um, concerning future episodes and uh, we're going to start getting more people, more leftists on the podcast to talk about more theory, different theory and, you know, the leftist ideologies. So, um, but thank you guys for uh, listening this far. Um, we're going to have more episodes soon, coming soon. Thank you guys so much. And remember to follow the page on East, follow the page at East Squared the Podcast on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. E, that's East Squared the Podcast or E2 the Podcast at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you guys so much, and y'all have a good one.